Hello, and welcome to Exit the Stage Door. I am your host, Aaron Teachman, and this is a really special episode, uh, not only because it's Kate Robards, who is an incredible person, and you should definitely check out her fringe show, Ain't That Rich, which premieres on the 7th, and that's going to be at the MLK Library on 9th and G. All of that ticket information is available in the show notes and at catfringe.com and all of those places where you would normally get fringe-related ticketing information. So, it's also special, though, because I haven't actually met Kate. (laughs) We had this entire conversation over the phone and recorded it with the magic of computers in the 21st century. And that's why my audio sounds a little weird, because this is still my first time using the magic of computers and the phone, uh, that intersection of audio technologies, and I doubled up my audio, and I sound like a goofball in an echo chamber, and I wish you could ignore that part, and I wish I could fix that part, but I can't. But in the meantime, Kate sounds lovely. She is phenomenal. She has so much interesting stuff to say. Please, please, please check out her show. Once again, part of Cat Fringe, opening on the 7th, four performances, I think, in total. All of the information is available online, and uh, welcome to part two of our cap fringe coverage here at exit the stage door i hope this is there's going to be more than the two parts but if not two parts other part was real world cobbles emily liner um also premiering on the seventh please also check that episode out and do all that stuff and all those places and now i gotta go let the dogs out okay kate robards everybody facetime audio let's give it a try calling kate i hope <laughs> Hello. 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 Should I call you from my landline? Um, I, 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 I honestly. Or do you think this will work? I think this will work. Fantastic. That's very cool. (laughs) Were you trying to call me from the from the number? Yes. Uh, Oh my goodness! This makes so much sense. Sorry, I have all of my nieces and nephews in town, so. Um, yes, I'm glad. I'm glad that I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> it's totally fine. I was so worried. I've never done anything like this before with a long distance phone call. And I was like, I'm totally screwing this up. This is totally. Oh my gosh. I'm, my I'm sorry that distance. you thought. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. When. <laughs> Always blame me. I take all of the blame. That's what. It's funny because I just told my family, I blame you. It's all your fault. <laughs> Well, no, no. I hope I hope you had a lovely time with your family. That's awesome that they're all there. I know. I went on a hike. Oh. So where are you based fun. exactly? I uh, am moving soon. I just finished my graduate program. And so FACT technically I'm based... Or... No, um, I did an MFA in writing. Oh. So um, I did it at California College of the Arts. Oh, right. I, I knew that because I read your email signature and I, I did probably. I should change that. When you, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, I should probably change that since I graduated. Like, it just feels like I'm not ready to let that go yet. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand. I, I held on to my first email address from my undergraduate um, for far too many years. Far and the, well, years. as long as they keep it active, why not? You know? They still keep it active. That's the that's the glory of my initials. Uh, they haven't needed to kick me off. G E T for reference. George is my first name, so G E T is not something that occurs regularly at Case Western Reserve University, apparently. So they haven't needed it. Nope. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> ah. I I end up getting locked out of an email. Is what usually ends up happening. <laughs> And then I like subscribe to things and I can't figure out how to unsubscribe to them because I have to log into another email to like verify that I no longer want to be, it's uh, me and technology. There's, I I should be an old school writer, like with pen and paper. My um, niece was just explaining Snapchat to me. She's 15. (laughs) That's the right age for Snapchat for sure. I know. It's good. I, yeah, I, I read about it with NBA players and free agency and I have no use for Snapchat whatsoever. You say that now, but you have a podcast. That's so fair. Mm, this is there's that. a strong point. That's a very strong point. You got to stay with it. <laughs> Eventually I'll have all of the social 
mediables, all of the consumables. It's so funny because, you know, back in my studio days, I did all of our, their social media. I did like the, and we didn't have Instagram back then. It was like Twitter and Facebook and you can only keep up with it for so long. You know, I felt like I was on the cutting edge of all the bleeding edge. Yes, it's it, it's not very far from the cutting edge to the bleeding edge, uh, literally and <laughs> metaphorically. Um, but you, so you brought it up the the studio machine. What what part of the studio machine did you go through? Out of curiosity, has the podcast started? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. My, whole, this oh, whole thing is being recorded. So. Oh wow! I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's fine. Sorry. I'm like, oh, was I, am I supposed to start being funny now? <laughs> you, have, um, you have already started to be funny. Oh, it's been well. That's great because I've been uh, like trapping through minutes. the house schlepping through um i gosh when was it oh i know it was five years ago because it keeps saying it's my five-year anniversary this whole you know summer um five-year anniversary with all my studio friends on facebook so that's how i can monitor time (laughs) yeah i'm i can look and say i've known that person for five years or more now wow but five years who was the so i (laughs) i didn't arrive on the uh Washington DC theater scene until 2012. You're late in the game. Yes, exactly. Um, But I have had regular run-ins with uh, lighting interns, people who used to be lighting interns at studio. So Allison Burris was my, was my, my, and is my homie. (sighs) And it's, it's such a small world, the studio um, machine, as you call it. Allison and I both were in the Bay area at the exact same time, because um, she was working for Cal Shakes my very first summer. Oh wow! Here, That's yeah. Amazing. So yeah, that was a really it was really fun because I got to go. Um, she was like, "Well, I don't know anyone else here um, <laughs> besides her Cal Shakes people," and they get comps. So I saw every show that Cal Shakes did that summer. Thank you, Allison. <laughs> That's amazing. I uh, I work with her all the time at uh, Center Stage in Baltimore. <laughs> She is great. She's also um, um I played trivia with her. And she's we, she's we could not um, me into that as well. <laughs> yeah, she's good. But they they need someone who um can fill in the sports gap because <laughs> it's like pop culture, everything else they've got covered. History, pop culture, you know. But not not sports. I don't know. I hope she's found that person that she was looking for because it was definitely not me. <laughs> It's so funny. She has definitely tried to put me in that role. Sports ball is definitely one of my interests. You can check that. Uh, that's so funny. Um, so, wait, are you from the Bay Area? Like, how? Wh- what's what's the timeline there that you? No, I'm DC from Texas. That? That's right. You're from Texas. I'm that, from so Texas. we have to wrap this around because you also know Halverson recommended you. I I want that on I want that on everything like on the top of my resume (laughs) everywhere I just wanted to say Halverson recommended (laughs) she is amazing she is and I've also gotten to host her in the Bay Area she is I'm at my in-laws house right now she came here because she said you know she loves to see libraries and my in-laws have this amazing home library so I thought I know where I want to take you instead of like my favorite bookstore I'm going to take you to my favorite home library that's amazing. So she yeah, I give tours. I give tours of the Bay Area if anyone wants one. <laughs> and during my time at the Studio Machine, one of my part-time jobs, I worked like full-time doing their apprentice program, and my part-time gig was um, I did tours, historical ghost tours around the White House in a colonial lady costume. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the true thing. Back whenever you had to have like the license, you had to take a test. <laughs> it was. Yeah, I, I considered it my acting job. Yeah. <laughs> That's Prepare to be amazed. It was incredible. I, I want to know if I can remember them, but I, I rewrote the script. This is like the true writer in me. It was, um, I think the, the company is called DC Ghost Tours. And I was like, this is unacceptable. I shouldn't say this. But nobody, I don't think they're going to be offended. I just, I, I just snazzed it up a little bit with some extra lies here and there. <laughs> some more flavor. That's that's completely phenomenal. Um, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know that was a thing. Um, it is a thing. Th- uh, so Halverson and I actually both worked at the alley, amazing in Houston at the same time. But somehow, and hung it hung out with the same people, just never at the same time. Somehow, I didn't actually meet her, meet her until I had her on the podcast. Wow. So, but you met her in person. Yes, not in like person, we're yes. doing. In, no, no, we we met in the um, 
I'm going to have to call it a house manager closet. That's definitely <laughs> what I'm going to have to call it. Uh, the, how, oh, are you talking about at studio? Yeah, at studio. I know what yeah. you're talking about. That's an office, okay? We call that an office. <laughs> it's on like the third floor. I know exactly what you're talking There's about. There's a desk in there and everything, so I, I, I can understand why you would call it that. That's totally fine. I remember when Tim Gio manned that office closet. Shout out to Tim. <laughs> I don't know if you know Tim. I don't. Was was Rooney there? Adrian Rooney was there. Okay, yeah. So I I I worked for him for one day. Um, he, <laughs> and he he's known. He has a terrible reputation. He's like very angry, right? And you couldn't take it. No. Uh, ultimately, he sends his board <laughs> calls kidding. out. Um, it's the exact opposite, actually. I know. Uh, I know. He's like the nicest person ever. It's impossibly nice, like impossibly. But I I was a free on. Um, what's the day of the year that nobody should be free? Oh yeah. Uh, New Year's Day, he needed he needed people, and I don't have a life, so I. <laughs> what are you doing, New Year's? <laughs> You're like I'm doing nothing. <laughs> it was the great. answer is I, nothing. I keep trying to have him on the podcast, but like weird things happen to him. Like he breaks things on his body, and then it's all of a sudden not available, and it's really distressing. So Are you sure he's not just trying to like get out of being on the podcast? <laughs> he doesn't want the extreme exposure, maybe. <laughs> That's, you can't handle that kind of that's what spotlight. I, that's the story I'm going to tell. That's a much more interesting philosophical <laughs> and psychological arc for him. So we're going to stick with that one. He makes the magic happen behind the scenes. <laughs> and when you want to put him in the lights of the podcast, it's too much. The harsh glare of the LED. Not everyone, not everyone has Halverson's <laughs> wit and charm. <laughs> that's for sure. That is for sure. Um, but just the alley. I think that's when I first um, was just like, oh, like starry eyed for Halverson. Not, I mean, of course, immediately. But um, so I'm one of the things I'm from a small town and I like to gossip about people, but it's not gossiping. I was raised with the idea that it was exchanging information. So there's a difference. But um, Halverson, this is some fun um, Halverson friend facts. She not only worked at the alley, which of course is the most amazing regional theater in Texas, I would say in like all of the Southern region of the United States, it's fantastic and amazing and wonderful. Um, and was a saving grace for me growing up, but she also lived in Catherine Hepburn's dorm room at Bryn Mawr. Did you know that? Did you, did you get there on your podcast? No, we did not talk about that. That's amazing. Some free information about her for you. Wow, dude. Yep. That's awesome. Incredible. Incredible. And I, th- there was this article on the New York Times and it was like famous, you know, dorm rooms that people have lived in. And I was mentioning, oh, she said she went to Bryn Mawr. And I was like, oh, I'm Bryn Mawr. And I tried to do my bad Catherine Hepburn accent. And she said I would lived in her dorm room. It's amazing. That's amazing. That is amazing. And it's, it, this is I, I, I do have to say this is a little it is a little weird to have a podcast without having any of the face to face interaction. I think we've done we we've connected like <laughs> this is this is working, but we've also like completely outkicked our coverage. Like we are way past <laughs> introducing. Rain it in. I, I blame you. You're doing a terrible job of reining me in. I completely agree with that. I'm very bad at hosting. Uh, I'm not an interviewer. <laughs> you're, always... d- you're doing it wrong because you're not supposed to say that you're bad. You're supposed to think that you're amazing. You are amazing. I think you're amazing. Oh, is that is that the story? I like that story, actually. I, I'm, I'm... We all wrestle with self-doubt. I mean, I'm about to do a solo show, so I know a little something about that. There we go. <laughs> you are also an expert at segues. I think that you have certainly earned your uh, MFA in writing with that segue alone <laughs> i hope you can put that on your transcript I speaking of segues last time i was in dc doing the french festival my first french festival i um did a segs in the city tour i did not lead it but i rode on one with another former studio um employee lauren reynolds another lauren and i um coerced her into doing a segue tour on the national mall called segs in the city, the city. they need yeah, don't they meet outside of the International Trade Center? We paid extra, and we um, we, we, we went rogue. We, we went on our own. We didn't have to do the tour. <laughs> it's really fun. Those things go fast. That's Oh, I, I have never been on a Segway, so uh, that's good to know. <laughs> I highly recommend the tour com- the company Segs in the City. <laughs> okay. We'll definitely that's a plug. That that's that's not a plug. Yeah. That's... <laughs> 
hopefully I'll be able to convince them to sponsor the podcast in some way or another. I did that for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I need all the help I can get on that front. So this is... I'm also drinking a vitamin water, so if they... <laughs> I was wondering what the sound was. If, yeah. Um, see if you could get them to sponsor. That would be great. I love it. I love them. Love vitamin water. Ah, left and right. We're definitely... Prada. Yeah, exactly. Prada we love Prada. We are good at this. We are good at this. Hire us. Uh... That's my self-talk right now. I'm great. I'm good. I'm, I'm validated as a human. I love myself. I love myself. Oh, That's man. my self-talk right now. Yeah. I, I ran into, I did this thing for Young Arts who does this like salute to the presidential scholars at the Kennedy Center. And the, Amazing. Yeah. It's a completely amazing process. And uh, the video programmer um, constantly had his mantra of, I love my life. I love the choices that I've made. I love my life. I love the choices that I've made as whatever hell is breaking loose around him. And so that's a, I appreciate where you're coming from. On, on well, you know, I have been living in the Bay area for three and a half years and that's very much, you know, I'm like, Oh gosh, I, you know, Oh, I, for, I forgot to do that. Or I, I made a big mistake. I'm a big dumb dumb. And people will be like, you made a choice and you made that choice. And I'm like, wow, you're right. I did make a choice and I made the bad choice. <laughs> Thank you for making me take accountability for my actions. And I love the re the results, even if they're terrible. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I mean, that's it's, it's all about the mindset, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You have to – making a choice, being able to be in a position of making a choice is actually – a pretty positive place. Yeah, that doesn't. Oh, I have a story. I have a story oh, about making absolutely. a choice. Do this it. is. I'm. I'm going to interrupt. I'm because my my show is all about um, we have to get money. Into your show, so well, this is like this is not my show at all. But it's all about like money and how you see things and making choices. And one of the best things my mom is always a character in my shows. But one of the best things she ever said um, to me, we were doing um, volunteering, helping homeless people make sandwiches in a nearby town outside of Houston. Because there are not, I'm from a small town. There were not a whole lot of homeless people, um, so we went to the big town to find the homeless people. Now I live in San Francisco, and they're everywhere. But um, they had this like buffet spread up, spread out, and there were all of these options for different sandwiches and different meats and different accoutrements, like the different types of mustard. And, and it was the line was taking too long for me, and I was a very efficient, you know, 16 year old. Um, and I said, "Well, you're doing it wrong. Why don't we just prepare?" these sandwiches and then they'll, they'll be ready and then they can just grab them and the line will move faster. And my mom was like, you know, baby, not everybody has, they don't have a lot of choices. You know, they don't have choices for where they're going to sleep tonight. They don't have choices for what they wear, but right now they get to make a choice. And so you're going to, you know, you're going to calm down and let them make their one choice. And that kind of always resonated with mm. me, this idea of like, oh yeah, how lucky are we that I get to make a choice of whatever it is. Two-ply toilet paper, one-ply. I don't know. Whichever one you are, but choices are nice. <laughs> yes. They, yeah, that's, that's actually a, that's a great uh, story illustrating the potency of choice, as, as a matter of fact. I mean, and one-ply, two-ply is, of course, one of the most important choices a person can make in their personal lives as well, in addition to their... <laughs> The great thing about one ply is that you could always fold it and then it becomes, but voila. <laughs> it is significantly cheaper than two ply. So that's a, that is a, a good piece of advice. I, I, <laughs> I was once watching this like show on a cult and it was like, you know, the cult, they had these clothes and they were old timey looking clothes. And I've been obsessed with old timey looking clothes. I was like, well, that would be cool to be, to wear those like old timey cult clothes. And then they had these cool braids in their hair. I was like, well, that could be cool. They get to wear those cool braids. And they, like, live in a big family. I'm like, well, that's nice. They have, like, a farm, you know? And then they said something about how it restricted their use of toilet paper. I was like, no, I can't. I couldn't be in that cult. No. They, they only got, like, four sheets per bathroom use. Wow. What? what, what how were you finding out this information about this cult that we got down to this I'm, level of detail? I'm not drunk right now. I just want to say I'm not drunk. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, duly noted for the record. Put that, yes, write that down. Yes, it'll go in the show notes, as a matter of fact. It'll just be <laughs> Fantastic. There for on the internet forever, because that's, once you put it up, those those ones and zeros, they just never die at that point. So. <laughs> Disclaimer. 
So, uh, wow. This is Try great. to bring it back after that I, one. <laughs> this moves so fast. Actually, we'll, we'll, we'll go back around to your, your actual current show that will bring you to the D.C. area in a moment. But I do have to say, when I was uh, at the University of Texas at Austin as a... Hoo-hoo. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I was a Germanic studies student at that point and one of my other uh one of my co-students co-workers comrades whatever classmates classmates <laughs> thank you um he he was a very interesting person he introduced me to some really fun board games um but he also collected cult experiences from other what? people what? Yeah, so he he sort of sought out people and and things who are affiliated with cult. So, for example, in his on his own personal life, he used to live in L.A. So he just tinkered with some Scientologists by mm. just basically, you know, going along, saying yes, yes, anding with the Scientologists, uh, taking the test and. And, and all of those things just to just he, to he went experience. up to that like to the test taking part yeah what do they yeah. call that they, they got they past, call that something i forget what the the metering or whatever is called. i wish i didn't have to run downstairs to get my laptop because i would be googling this i would be so much more <laughs> clever if i had my laptop up my fingers yeah i should probably do that as well uh but uh yeah so he took the test he, he did the he it's did like the desensitization thing. or something something weird like oh, that yeah yeah uh oh, gosh i wish de- i could remember anyway uh, but he um, he got to that part, and then he decided he was done with it. And but they were he gotten so far that they were super not done with him, and and they were like he was he was telling them, oh no, sorry, thanks, thanks, thanks for all your help, but I have to go to the store, I have to go to Walmart and do some shopping. And they're like, oh no, no, we'll take you there. It's totally fine. We'll drive you there, and we'll drive you back, and we'll help you return to your vehicle and stuff like that it was very difficult for him to extricate himself from the situation the e-meter is it called the e-meter oh yeah yeah the e-meter yeah when they're taking the feet and levels and all that stuff yes it's amazing Uh, i love that movie um the scientology movie about ron totally i mean it was the which one going clear no not the documentary that was weird too um the master oh the master yes yes Yes, that's an excellent film. 100% agree. So good. Yes, P.T. Anderson at his finest, actually. Uh, I don't think it's his finest, all right? Let's not get into P.T. Anderson's finest. Oh, what do you think? But I do want to say, so speaking of, um, (laughs) can we just go back to cults really quickly? Yes, please. I actually had not finished story either. Okay, finish that story, because then I also have a a cult story. Well, so, so... He had that experience personally, but his proudest moment was just. How did he get out? Ah, I, that part I forget. It was just denial, persistent, just, just abandoning all pretense at being. Was he rich? I think you have to be rich to. <laughs> no, I really had, do. I think you have to pay a lot of the money. Part where they understood that he was a poor student, they, oh. they still thought that he might be he might have more resources than that, than he really did. So he eventually just Did he look moved. rich? Was that was there like something about him that made cuz he did It not. costs it a was, lot of money, right? Yes, it does. And he was a poor I think he's fucking graduate student in Germanic It's not studies. nice to call we people poor. poor. Okay. <laughs> we were poor. That is we were cash poor. We did not possess much cash poor. Anymore. But rich in in, in knowledge and intelligence. Absolutely. absolutely. With the, and know, that's what really matters, right? Lanta dichte und denke. We were all in on Danke Shame. So his proudest moment though. Uh, was that he knew someone who was part of the cult that would have eventually been down in Guyana with what's his name Jim James Jamestown? Yes. Yes. Um, who, in Texas, the Kool Aid. Yes, exactly. They missed the flight down. No. So they. So this is years later. They know what happens. After all of those people take that flight and drink the Kool-Aid, and they still regretted missing the flight. That was his, that was his best part of his, like, cult collection. Because what if those people are, like, in another life, in another realm, you know? 
I, I think they, they I believe think very much stayed to stick with that belief. That's uh, they missed the boat. Around. Yeah, exactly. they missed the they missed the plane. Quite literally, yeah. Well, that, uh, that's. I mean, I'm glad they missed it. <laughs> Um, but so, so my, when I was really little, uh, the group, the hale Bop Comet oh, yeah. group with the, and they wore the Nikes, mm-hmm. that guy, something, I don't remember his name, Applewhite or something like that. Well, that I remember that being on national news. I don't know how, when that was related to the Jonestown, but I feel like there were like all of these Jonestown, major, that's what it is, yeah. the, the major cult things. And, um, and my grandmother goes, oh. <gasps> I went to Austin. My grandmother went to Austin College in 1947, which is outside of Dallas, a small little Presbyterian college. And um, she said that women at that point, that's particular school. I know that at you know major universities, women could study other things. But she said her options were like teacher or nurse. So um, she became a librarian. But she said I went on a date with him, and she pulls out her 1947 um, yearbook, and he signed it, and it said to my favorite redhead, Elaine. And and she was just like, he was the most charismatic man I had ever met. And I thought, yeah, of course. Like, I was so young. And I thought, of course, he's convinced all these people to kill himself. So that became a family joke of, like, your grandmother could have been. <laughs> we could have been the, the grandkids of a cult leader, if only. <laughs> so it set my imagination down into this thing of, like, what if, you know? And... <laughs> I don't know. I could, I could have so much more charisma. It could be, it could be insane. I could start a cult. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not necessarily going to wish that you would start a cult, but based on our limited interactions so far, I will say that you have plenty of charisma. Uh, absolutely. That's, you're not short on that. Um, I was raised in the church. You know, I am from the South. <laughs> I went to church. I went to Catholic school. I was in eighth grade. Went to church all the time. You went to Catholic school, which, and, but you went to Catholic church? That's not traditional for... I, no, I was not I, I was not a Catholic. I was an aspiring Catholic. I was a wannabe Catholic. No, oh, okay. That's rare. I, I was a raised Presbyterian. I know. <laughs> okay. Well, but I just... Yeah, like, in the South, I just... I literally... It was, it's like recreational, you know? It's yes. like... And I always say I transferred my... Um, my religious upbringing and this idea of like tithing to the arts and to the theater arts in particular, you know, I'm on two boards in, in San Francisco, the cutting ball and um, fog theater, shout out to them. And it's like this altruistic, you know, you put in sweat equity in a church, you volunteer. And then if you have money, you have to give, you know, 10% of that. And it's just this like belief that's put, you know, put into you at a really young age and raising people in the church. I'm telling you, make sure it gives you some, some good backbones. I, I Cults? Well, Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. There is a line between the churchy good stuff and the cultishness. I, yes, I agree. As but, someone, but now I'm a, I am of the Church of Theater. They, oh, I, so that's a good way to put it. Quite frankly, uh, the same amount of blood and tears is demanded of you, no doubt. And the same amount of humanity. I mean, the Bibles and, um, you know, the religious texts of all of these different groups, they seek to tell you these amazing stories of death and murder and violence and hatred and the rich people and the poor people. And isn't that what theater does, right? (laughs) And it's finest. Yeah, absolutely. It's all the same. It's all the same. Pontius Pilate, you know, Jonestown. (laughs) What was his name? What was that guy's name? Wasn't it Jones? Jim Jones? Am I crazy? Jim Jones, yeah, sure. I we'll just, we'll, I up Tom Cruise, just you know. There. Yeah, Jim Jones, yeah. Jonestown, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great. <laughs> so my show. Yeah, I was saying, we, we should circle back to the show <laughs> I'm like, I'm exhausted after all that. I don't even know. <laughs> I ate like a lot of pizza tonight. <laughs> it's getting crazy over here. Uh, is it, uh, what is it called again? Ain't that rich? Ain't that rich? That's such a great. Title. Ain't that rich? Yeah, rich. And it's like you said, you know, we were poor, so that's kind of like, I'm I'm obsessed with, um, you know, I've been in this writing program and it's been great, and we have all of these amazing writers come and talk to us, and one of them, um, Joyce Maynard, who she wrote the screenplay to, um. Labor Day, not the screenplay. She wrote the novel um, to Labor Day and it was turned into a screenplay. And she wrote the novel of, what was the Nicole Kidman one where she played the the murderous um, news reporter? To Die For? To Die For. She wrote the original Whoa. novel of To Die For, Joyce Ooh. Maynard. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. She's, so she's great. And she's still just like a working artist. You know, it's like, you know, you always think 
these people have these amazing careers. And at the end of the day, they're just, you know, working artists trying to turn out material. And she said, um, we each have the, whatever you write about is somehow attached to the engine of your obsession. And one of my obsessions is money and richness and poorness and like what that means and the haves and the have nots. And, and so it's, it's truly an obsession of mine. And this like, you know, I'm very tacky. I'm from a small town and, you know, in, in small, I, like the, for one of the first lines of my show is in a small town, the rich people in my hometown owned like a funeral home or a fence company. And they are a very different kind of rich than you would see in San Francisco mm-hmm. or DC or. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Absolutely. And a poor college student is very different from, you know, a poor somebody else. So it's kind of like the cultural capital aspect of that is also very, very huge. Cause we know working in the theater, you know, so many people who are artists and they barely scrape by, but they are the richest. It's so cheesy, but you know, the richest people that, you know, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. Cause that's the, the intersection of, uh, capital and the arts is something that, that I find completely fascinating fascinating as well and that's taking and that sounds like you're taking that uh, like uh, uh, to a little bit further of a detailed level because like i associate myself like in the theater world as a technician i normally you know install I, you don't necessarily know this i don't know why i say that that's silly verbal tip. i mean i understand how theater like the <laughs> the collaborative efforts of the theater and what different jobs are so continue right. I'm yeah so i'm a technician under normal circumstances i turn a wrench to install the lights and install projectors and stuff like that. And I, I, I don't get paid anything like what the regular artists at the lower levels. Cause I work at Shakespeare theater company arena stage for amazing places. Uh, yes. Very high levels of, uh, of theater, but, uh, but I feel like a member of the underclass for, for a, a wide variety of reasons, not the least. And the hierarchy of even that. Yeah, exactly. Institution. And and in other even even if even if you take that step down, like the people who do install lights, if they aren't considered as like a magic elf who makes things happen, and then all of a sudden there's light and hooray, thanks. And <laughs> but who never will, will never show up as anything other than like a footnote and some kind of program, if the program even exists at some at some point. That the this. I, I I wouldn't be as aware of this like cultural divide and this I I, I would call it a class divide. Um, yes. If it weren't for the fact that I was, I have spent so many years of my life attempting to be on the creative side to be a designer or to be a director and I write plays and screenplays and stuff like that and to get people to consider someone who is a wrench turner as something more than a wrench turner is is a chasm in their in their thought process like you didn't go through your biography doesn't make any sense to me you didn't go through the process like you weren't introduced to me as a creative individual in the right way and i can't bridge this gap like you are the underclass of people who don't give a shit right and and i'm the creative they don't think about this necessarily explicitly but it is it is very much implicit in the way that credit is given and who who um who is seen as the creative motive force in theater and and who gets to be put into the entry level internships of the creative motive force as well so absolutely i mean this is it, it, no, it's it's absolutely, um, I mean, it, it's a huge issue happening with the arts. And one of the reasons, you know, my friends at Studio did the apprenticeship, and I have friends who have done the fellowship at Berkeley Rep in the Bay Area, is that, you know, these, some of these places provide housing. But, you know, to mm-hmm. be, you have to really want to turn that wrench. To be a part of the process that turns out this amazing art, you make sacrifices and you have to want to do it because it's hard. You're underappreciated. You might get that little name in the program and you tell your friend and you're like, oh my God, look, that's my name. And they're like, well, but I'm trying to read the good stuff, <laughs> you know, but your impulse and I, everyone that you talk to does it because there's something that connects them to the theater. If you want to go make a job as a janitor, you're not going to be a facilities manager at a theater. 
I mean, maybe you are and maybe, but like, that's not my experience. And it's mm-hmm, just, mm-hmm. um, it's just, it's hard. It's really, really hard. And in the same problem, you know, if you're waiting tables and you're doing whatever menial job and you're like, well, this is not who, who I identify as. I identify as a writer. And it's hard because it's like, well, what have you written that I've seen? Well, I've done some friend shows, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and I'm very proud of them. <laughs> and they're going to get better, like, the next time I go around, you know. It's it's just, like, having to identify yourself by what you do instead of, like, your um, delusions of what you do <laughs> is very hard. No, but I, I totally know what you mean about the underappreciated thing because it's like, on the one hand, you feel like you're a part of of this amazing institution and the names that you've checked off on these lists are like arena stage, Shakespeare theater, I think, and, um, the alley. And it's like to even affiliate yourself with that. And that's how I feel about studio, you know, to even be able to say studio and people recognize that name around the country. And it's, it's a really cool thing. And you're like, yeah, wow, I was a very minor part of that. But then the, the real heartbeat of all of these organizations are indeed the people who are there. And those, you know, some of the people we've name dropped, circle back to Allison, circle back to Lauren. But like, those are the people who continue to do and share your passion. And you get to watch them grow in their career and their, what they like to do. And look at you with this podcast. <laughs> you have made a choice to make this podcast. Well, and you have made the choice to produce not one, but two one solo shows and to produce them at Capital Fringe, which is across the country from where you live. Yeah. Helps to be rich. Helps to be rich. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like I always, you know, Christina Wong, who, um, so shout out to a solo performer who I blindly emailed and was like, Hey, I want to read all of your plays. And she sent me all of her plays. Nobody else do that. I don't want y'all to bother her. Um, but, <laughs> but she's been doing this for years and years and she's printed them up and sent me all of her plays. But, um, one of the jokes that she had was I'm looking for a rich husband, like artist benefactor. I was like, yes, I found that by happenstance. And that's what I talk about in my show is mm. the guilt of like, things are easier with money and yet money still doesn't, you know, doesn't solve everything, but it yeah. sure does help a lot. That's mm. one of the reasons why I can do it. And I also have, you know, um, my friends who work with me on this, my graphic designer was the graphic designer for studio when I was there, Lauren Reynolds. And she now, um, she ended up getting her, um, MA in design from GW after, um, our studio days. Yeah. And then, um, the former marketing person helps me with my marketing just as a little, (laughs) and by helps me, I mean, she'll like, you know, send out the press release and I put her name on my stuff and she's great and she's, you know, wonderful and lovely. And, and I have friends there who still do theater and it's, it's a great theater city and it's, there's, there's truly the, the capital fringe is I think the best run fringe in the country. I've, um, I've done SF Fringe. I did Maui Fringe because why not, oh, right? Like yeah, the most exotic Fringe festival. I highly recommend that. Um, but I mean, a so I will say a solo show to self-produce a solo show. It's a lot less um, of an effort. I did. I wrote a, a four-person play that CCA produced at our at an Orange Box play space um, this fall, and I had four actors and I had a director. And you really, um, oh, and, and I wrote a role for myself as you do when, <laughs> when you are a big ham and you love attention, but, um, it was much more difficult managing other characters and other actors. And I thought, gosh, I should just turn this into a solo show and then I can just put everything off to the last minute and, and see what happens. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. I'm a very professional artist. You should come see the show because... It's going to be great. Yeah, which opens on July 7th at the MLK Memorial Library. How cool is that? That my show has this like underbelly theme of, and hopefully it's not too didactic, of you know th- what what is invaluable about having access to books and library books. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, my show gets to be at the library. A pretty big one and a really nice one. It's pretty beautiful. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Awesome. Fortuna has smiled upon me. <laughs> it sounds like you do a lot of making your own fortune, though, actually. Um, I make a choice. I make a choice to make fortune. Yeah. <laughs> I have chosen to be a gold digger. That's true. 
But what is the gold is the question. What is the real gold? I mean, uh, there's, there's no shame in being a gold digger whatsoever. Well, I mean, I would say maybe they're okay. First of all, <laughs> maybe that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if you're not self-aware about it, perhaps, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I take offense to the fact that my mom calls me Anna Nicole Smith. Okay, that's extreme. Yeah, that's harsh. Yeah, but that's how we talk to each other in Texas. We're funny, right? <laughs> that's like you gotta have a sense of humor. And then I always have to say that my husband is thirty. He is not sixty-five. He is a normal age, appropriate to me. And he's a very good sport because he knows that I write about him. And he's just like, yeah, I'm not worried because you do a terrible impersonation of me. So <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, he's he's a good sport about it. Absolutely. Yeah, you gotta be. Yes. But um so back to the DC theater scene. Yes. The um the amount of support and the different organizations you have, you know, there's like Theater Bay Area and the Bay Area and they kind of um you know, they they do great. They they do great things, but there's so many of you guys and it's such a dense theater scene mm. in DC that you have, you know, DC theater scene and you have I mean, let's just name drop some. Help me help me brainstorm because I'm not looking right now. I'm not at my computer. <laughs> I am pacing. Well, then you have your what podcast are we on? Uh this is Exit the Stage Door. Exit the stage door. Mm-hmm. I've been around for two years. Congratulations. I am I flattered that you thought to include me. But we can also talk about, like, in just in terms of organizations that promote theater or new theater between TC Theater Scene and DC yeah. Natural Theater Arts and Theater Washington and the Source mm-hmm. Festival and Capital mm-hmm. Fringe. And that's mm-hmm. just sort of like the the self-producing entry level you have a bunch of good work happening at each of the universities at the university of maryland at george washington at georgetown at american catholic university are all cultivating younger people and bringing them up and and throwing them out into this and gaia debt i should definitely have to mention gaia debt and all of the people that they host uh yes there there is a lot of theater happening uh and a lot of support for people to be coming into the theater scene between like a studio has a a fantastic apprenticeship internship program that washes uh, quite a lot of people through it. But then Shakespeare theater company has a great uh, fellowship program. So does arena arena. Exactly. Has a, has a phenomenal fellowship program. And Uh, I should say that from my experience, we all ended up bonding because it's like, you know, you trade, you trade comps to shows and Mm -hmm. you, and I've kept in touch with, um, people who did fellowships or apprenticeships at other theaters while I was at DC, while I was in DC. Shout out Rachel Knox, who was at arena and she ran for, um, a city council in Memphis. Whoa. I know. And she's like 27. (sighs) 28 like yeah talk about like movers and shakers and people who are out there making a change in the world that's phenomenal i know Um, and honestly what's what's really interesting so like i went i I worked at the alley um decided i wanted to try to be a director and i moved to new york in an effort to make new york city yeah that was a mistake um in (laughs) why why i'm moving to new york (laughs) (laughs) well so I moved to New York without any kind of credits to my name. I had never done anything, and I was hoping to get somebody to give me a chance to do just something further. But if you have done something, if you have something on your resume, if you can say, no, I produced two shows mm-hmm. um, on my own, then that's a different story. Going to New And York. wrote and starred in them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As, especially if you're a hyphenate, you're... You, you know, you've got you've got much more entrepreneur as, as a result of having been in that system and produced having a record of what you did. It's fascinatingly, it doesn't necessarily need to be a record that anybody is going to investigate in. They they don't necessarily look at like, oh, you did Death of a Salesman. That's great. Uh, where did you do that? How many people were on your creative team and how good was it? No, you did Death of a Salesman. Great. That's phenomenal. We're going to give you another chance. I didn't have any of that. Uh, so I left uh, when I ran out of money, which was about six months. Um, and then money, money, money. It's always back to money. Yes, absolutely. I looked, I applied, I lit. I literally applied to every not-for-profit theater company that offered 
an internship with housing in the field of artistic or directing, and I received two postcards, one acknowledging that I had sent them an application and the other from Milwaukee rep saying that I hadn't done enough to be an intern. Yeah. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah. So. Highly competitive. That's what I always tell people. Highly competitive. Yes. Absolutely. I I sat alongside people from Dartmouth and Yale and I went to a podunk Texas college. So. (laughs) (laughs) So um, when I was looking around, when I got my head, I I, uh, I went to Actors Theater of Louisville for a year. Oh, that's fabulous. Yeah. Um, I was the first electrician. I just met the artistic director of that guy with the crazy beard. Les Waters. Les Waters. Yeah. I saw the new Sarah Rule play. Oh yeah, he has he has he has been directing her Peter Pan on her seventieth birthday. Yeah, oh, I heard exactly. all about it. He's yeah, he's been producing her work for oh, like a decade now. He used to be a Berkeley rep, and uh, yeah. So every time, and then he realized Tony Tacconi like, wasn't ever leaving. Oh, I got all the gossip right here. Can we just turn this into a gossip podcast? <laughs> Why not? Uh, I was. I mean, I was there at Actors Theater the year that he was hired. Definitely part of the process of everybody figuring out, hey, meet the new boss. What's going on? Why is he leaving Berkeley Rep, which is supposedly an amazing place? And it's like, oh. It is an amazing place. I just saw John Leguizamo's one night, one man show, his new one, which started at their ground floor. Sorry, I get so off track. Go back to go back to being poor and, and not having credits because I have something to say about that. Oh, yeah. So poor, not having credits. And then I went back to lighting, which is what I knew I could get paid for in Louisville. But I didn't get paid very well in Louisville. So it was very clear between my student loans and uh, my creative ambition that Louisville was not going to be the place for me. So I heads up, looked around. Other than New York, where can I go? I have family in the Washington D.C. area, so that led me to to take a take a pretty good look at D.C. And that is when I I mean I dug a little bit and I discovered that there, the scene so is much. so deep and yeah, it's so intentionally welcoming both to yep. new work and new creators. Yes. Um. That I was like, well, this is this it's is this so is the rich. place that I want to be. Yeah. It's so rich and the people and the, and honest to God. So like it's starting off with, you know, my first show, I was like, I, I saw, um, the season, the, the season that I was at studio, um, which was David Muse's first season. And I was there oh, for like a little oh, bit of the okay. joy crossover. Cause I, I did like an internship before the apprenticeship. Um, and there was, um, David Kale, who is a fa- fabulous solo artist and Lord Weedman. And, um, I saw both of their shows multiple times. And I just kind of thought, oh, my gosh, I didn't know. Like, I've always kind of been around theater and, and I wanted to um, – I, I worked for an opera singer out of college um, and I got to travel the world with her. Um, they, I was her nanny, you know, wiping a kid's ass. But I was with this amazing Grammy Award-winning artist traveling the world and seeing these major opera houses. So it was incredible. And she was performing at the Kennedy Center with Placido Domingo conducting. And I fell in love with the city the same as you did. And I kind of knew it was time to like fly her nest. She was like, go do something else with your life. You said you would be my nanny for a year. It's been two years. My, like my kid is four and a half. He's going to go to kindergarten, you know, like be a real grown up. Um, and I'm still not a real grown up, but I fell in love with DC and I um, met so many great theater people and they were doing all of these friend shows, Danielle Molman and like, oh, you know, you with know uh, Danielle? Oh, if Danielle's my apprentice, like she, she's my homie for real, for real. Oh, she better man. come. She's in yeah. Seattle. She, lives she in is. Seattle. She, I'm like, she's so close. She was supposed to come visit me in May. I'm just like, what, what, what happened with that? She was just in DC because she I stalked her online. Yeah. She was my first. TCG. She was my first interview. The first episode of the podcast oh my was with Danielle. Gosh, and then I this up, is like I'm in the field with the with greats. <laughs> I am being. I am now. I'm. I'm so proud. Oh. Um. Well, and so, but she's a great example of like you know someone you you do these things because it keeps you connected to the art in whatever form. And she came into our apprenticeship having her MA in playwriting and having written these plays. And she's just so delightful and well-read and like, you know, doing things at the levels that you do things. And that's, I kind of, you know, took a page from her fearlessness and the other um, amount, the other artists that I know. And I said, they're doing these shows and um, I have myself and it's, you know, relatively inexpensive. You can, you can find ways to make it work. You know, you pay the few hundred dollars fees and you make money back. 
Um, and if you're a solo artist, you write your own material. You can find a friend to direct you. So you don't really have like, you don't have to have rehearsal space. I mean, it helps. It's really nice and lovely, but you can also, you know, find, you, you make it work for you. Mm-hmm. And it's relatively low cost. And the way that the DC theater scene is, is that you can get great press. So you know, I even had my very first solo show. I got my picture in the Washington Post. I did not get a review, but they were named me as a French highlight, Whoa. which meant, which came from having a great photo though, you know, or, and it's just, but it's like you, you get a few reviews and you, you learn I'd worked in marketing. So it was like, I can take a bad review and pull the words out and mm-hmm. make them look like it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> and I have like, you know, press quotes from Washington city paper and, you know, broadwayworld.com. And I tell everyone, you know, just do it. Just like, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of fearless. And that same thing that you said of like, they're not going to see um, if it, what the, how many people were at death of a salesman. Right, yeah. My experience is that, you know, it's not like thousands of people are seeing my show. Um, tens of people see my show, tens, <laughs> and they're people who love me and support me and encourage me. And then a few people, my last show, which was about living in China, I had people who lived in China and who, you know, like some, some interest in that. And what ends up happening is that you then tell everyone, oh, I did a show and it was great. And, and you get another notch in your belt and it gives you the courage to kind of do the next one. And I'm already th- like, I'm already writing my next solo show. And it's just kind of that thing of, of getting your sea legs and doing it before you're ready or jumping on. I, I don't, I'm, I don't have a metaphor. Just jump on the train as it's going or, <laughs> but doing it at whatever level. Yes. Be a hobo. Do it what, at whatever level you can do it at and then do something else again. And that's kind of, um, you know, that's, I'm not saying that that's what Danielle is because I think all of her work is great. Stop gap. And I read several oh, different ideations yeah. of that script. And I love, um, I love seeing, I love seeing all of my friends just grow as artists. And I like being able to call them my friends and being able to be in that category, you know? Mm, I do. Yeah. Yeah. Especially having seen some of Danielle's work as, as it was in progress as, as one example of that. That's yes. A fantastic feeling. And that's what, um, you know, speaking of religious experiences, <laughs> I, um, I thought I wanted to work in journalism and I very briefly, um, worked as a, at a TV station in a small town in Texas. And I was like, yeah, I could play a character working at a TV station in a small town in Texas, but I wouldn't want this to be my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I found a job that would let me travel. And I remember wanting to live in DC. Um, you know, I, I met my now husband and he's like, you should live here. And I, my first job that I got was at, um, Tucker Carlson's The Daily Caller. Nice. Wow. Um, no, it's not. Let's not talk about it. But, um, it was, it, you know, I got some bylines, but, um, none that I would like to share with anyone and none that I wanted to put my name on. But, um, I, I remember being like, I really want to, I want to work at one of these theaters. And I applied for the Arena Stage Fellowship and I applied for the Studio, um, Fellowship. And I remember going and just having this great feeling and be like, I think like I, I was like, this is where like, this is for me, you know, and it's just, it's like the theater is a calling and it's a very special place. And you fall in love with, for me, I fell in love with storytelling mm-hmm. and all of the different versions of that, you know, playwriting and, um, screenwriting and film and oral stories. And it's just, I mean, it's, aren't we lucky to know each other? <laughs> It's a small theater world. It really is in America. It's it's pretty amazing. I routinely happens that well, and in the world. So I so I lived in China. I lived in Shanghai, China, and uh, Shanghai, as they say. And one of my first weeks there, someone was like, "You're a Texan, and you're into theater. Do you know Ann James?" And um, Ann James had worked at the Alley. She used to play Harriet Tubman and went around to universities. She did like a solo show version of Harriet Tubman. She'd come to my university and it was like an alley educational outreach type of thing. And, um, and so, yeah, so she lives in, she's still in Shanghai and she has a theater company there. And I was in her version of Edward Albee's, um, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf, which we got permission to do, which you don't have to because there's no copyright laws in China. But I mean, it was but she's also connected to the Texas American, the- like the theater scene. And it was kind of, you know, I saw a large black woman in China and I literally said, you must be Ann James. Like, I know you <laughs> and because it's a small world. And someone said, oh, you should meet Ann. She is a theater person and she lives in China. So it's a very small world. Yeah, that's amazing. 
Well, you'll be in our part of it. We're hilariously close to our hour. Time has completely flown Please, I hope you edit. You know, the power of writing is editing out all of the bad stuff. So just make it, you know, pump it up. Let's get get a good 30 minutes in. You know, just edit it out. (laughs) Are you going to do that? I'm trying to pep you. Pep you to pep talk. The the trust that I try to build with the people who I I don't interview is that I don't edit either. (gasps) Oh. Mm. it's just you and I and there it is for the world I feel like I wasn't prepared I feel like I feel like I just started talking and I was like oh my god my family's in town and that's that's what makes it so beautiful is that it's completely oh, no. authentic and there's no I uh, no one is framing you out of context you are we are in I are the context, who I in the flow and, and yeah it's beautiful and oh I trust you. I trust you. That's, That's very good. I, thank that, you, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. My pleasure. <laughs> this has been so fun. I um was all over the place with the toilet paper and the um yeah. I like you know what? Let's just forget it all ever happened. Okay. I can't wait to listen to it again because I love the sound of my own voice. <laughs> well, it's good. It's, it's good. You have me on that one. I definitely do not love the sound of my own voice. I do love the sound of your voice though. You sound so NPR. I actually so um I, I was trying not to I was trying not to articulate so much just because of the cadence of your voice. It sounds I like it a lot. I really do. <laughs> well, I appreciate it's very, that. Yeah, it's it's like you it's like you have a podcast or something. Or you should, if you didn't have a podcast, I would tell you that you have a voice for a podcast. And since I can't see you in person, I get to say the bad joke of you have a face made for radio. I mean, I can't see you in person, so I don't know if that's true. Right. But I've, it, I'm your Facebook friend. It happens to be true, but in your case, it doesn't sound <laughs> like an insult because you've never seen it. So it's all great. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And there we you are go. now Facebook friends, which is legitly awesome. Yes. Awesome. I'm very forward on the Facebook friends. So if <laughs> anybody wants that. to, fa- <laughs> sorry, no, no, if anyone wants to Facebook me or Instagram me or Tumblr me or Twitter me or Snapchat, because my 15 year old niece was just showing me all the Snapchats, uh, people can feel free. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> you have anticipated me at every turn. This is the, um, this is the my podcast where... now. <laughs> You're going to come on every week, and now we're going to interview somebody I'm with new you, host. whoever. Yeah, absolutely. This is the baton. It's like the welders. I don't know if you follow that at all. Um, it's a playwriting collective that sort of emulates itself and uh, passes itself on to a new generation of playwrights. So they start off with five. Everybody gets to produce one of their shows over the course of three years, and then they hand it off to another five playwrights. Is that in D.C.? So, yeah, that's in D.C., yeah. It's a relatively recent What a cool organization. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's Pass amazing. the torch. And now we now apparently we're going to do that with Exit the Stage Door. Welcome to the host, She's going to be down on July 7th through at the very least yes! 16th at MLK Memorial Library. That's on G Street and 9th. Um, unless it's going to be fun. I'm going to bear my heart and soul. It's a very vulnerable show. Excellent. It's called Ain't That Rich? That's right. All right. And uh, this has been a phenomenally <laughs> awesome experience. Thank you so much for... For being for for being up for this phone call completely blind out of nowhere from somebody you met on Twitter. Yeah, not at all sketchy. <laughs> not at all. No. This is not the sketchiest meetup I've ever had online. So, <laughs> well, I can say that honestly. That's good. I, I I that makes me feel better about myself. And anyway, <laughs> the person who hooked it up, Lauren Halverson, is a phenomenal human being and an excellent judge of other human beings and their talent. So. Um, oh shucks <laughs> look for uh, hopefully i don't know if i'll be able to uh oh boo i sincerely don't worry i can give I you will. a private i can br- give you a private performance it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> okay. we've already talked about like classism inside of a theater i think we're co- you you got the gist it's fine <laughs> just the, the here's <laughs> spoiler alert the richness has nothing to do with money <laughs> oh that's a that's a good tease that is yeah. an excellent place. <laughs> is that a good teaser? Or did I? You know, no one has to see the show anymore. <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's definitely, definitely a tease. You, you definitely, definitely have to see the show. show. This, is, no, no, no. I want to make that clear. Everybody has to see the show. And but you, you're not going to go. You just told everyone that you're not going to. Well, you're, you're ones of listeners. Well, <laughs> Fives I, of tens of. I have a dentist appointment on the 13th, and I'm reviewing a bunch of shows on the 9th, and I have a work call on the 7th, and so hopefully I'll be able to check you out on the 16th. Um, Please come on the 16th. All of my friends are coming on the 16th. It's oh, going to be a good day. Great. You're included in that. Perfectly. The 16th. I have <laughs> wow. a feeling that's going to be the best show. By that time, it'll be like the, the show will be in my body. Because <laughs> this is a world premiere, people. World premiere. 
I just turned in my, my 200 page thesis of short stories, um, in May. So I did not start really writing this until last month. (laughs) And I got, I I was very, I'm very happy with the script that I have right now as of yesterday. That's <laughs> phenomenal. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it even more. I've um, really sold this thing. I'm this telling you, it's great. It's going to be fantastic. Absolutely, it will be great, and it will be fantastic. And uh, thank you. So and much. if if only if only a few people come, then they have to take my word for it. Well, it'll be like uh, it'll be like they said about uh, Velvet Underground, right? The Velvet Underground or Nico album. A thousand people bought it, and every single one of those people started a band. Oh, it's going to be like for you. Every, I want, yes, you cannot leave my show unless you promise me you're going to do your own solo show. I like that. That's, that's what's going to happen. All right. That's on the contract for the tickets. I look forward to seeing everybody's shows and your show as well. And there's going to be a raffle for, um, double ply toilet paper. Every, every performance, (laughs) the good stuff. Love it. Charmin. Just that, that happened now. Like I just made that decision on this podcast. Thank you so much, Aaron. Oh, I'm honored to have been part of the breaking history of your oh, new no. show. That's I am honored. Incredible. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. And if I do, if you don't see my show, I, I better like have a drink with you at the friend's tent. Yes, 100%. Awesome. One that's of those happening. Things, hopefully both will definitely happen. We'll tweet it. We'll, and we'll, we'll tweet Halverson in it too. And we'll yes. tweet Danielle. We'll Absolutely. just like, let's tweet everyone we know <laughs> that it's happening so that they know in, yes. in real time. Absolutely. I live for that kind of thing. <laughs> Okay, I'm awkward with goodbye. Bye. All right. Goodbye.